And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we are back. Thank you, listeners, for joining us for yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. Today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Fullscale.io helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. And my name is Lauren Conaway. I am your host as well as founder and CEO of Innovate Her KC. And today we are bringing you a very important message, but we're bringing to you a very important woman's voice. And we have with us today, Sarah Chamberlain. And Sarah is president and founder of Women to Women. Um, They do a lot of work in ensuring that women's voices are heard in Washington, which is a cause and a a drive that is very near and dear to my heart. And I know it's really important to all of you. So I'm really excited to hear Sarah's thoughts. Sarah, thank you so much for being here with us today on Startup Hustle. Lauren, it's a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so, so let's... Let's jump right into it. Nice. Um, tell us, give us a little bit about your background. Tell us, you know, a little bit about Women to Women. Tell us how you came to join the organization. Tell us, tell us your journey. Sure. So I have 15 girlfriends I went to college with. We're now all in our 40s, towards the later end of the 40s, but we won't talk about that. Um, and none of them are in politics. So they, we were talking about what's going on and, and how they didn't feel that their voice was really being represented. They voted, some Republicans, some Democrat, but that didn't matter. They just were like, you know, no one's doing anything. And then they pointed to me and said, but you can. I was like, oh no, here we go. Um, so the Woman to Woman Tour was founded on that. And it's, it's evolved even from when you saw it in uh, Kansas. Kansas City. It's to um, empower women, bring them in to the fold. And what it is, is you tell us, we tell Washington. And we travel the country. Now we do it on podcasts, just trying, just listening to women, truly listening and taking their issues back to Washington and in a very nonpartisan way, getting legislation introduced and passed. So my 15 girlfriends were very proud, um, you know, that they pointed to me. I'm sure. <laughs> so here we are a couple of years into it. It's been quite a road, good and bad, mainly good. And the women that I have met along the way have been, they're amazing. They're really just amazing women in this country. And I'm proud and honored to have the pleasure of, of doing this job and, and meeting them. That That is simply awesome. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the tactics of how you bring this messaging and how you communicate and distribute um, this to to different areas of the country. But the first question that I want to ask you is is kind of a foundational question. 
why do you think it's important for women to have their voices heard in Washington? Okay, that's a great question. And that's a question that people don't sit and think about. But the reality is, if women um, played a role and our voices were heard in Washington, I would argue we'd have a very different Washington. Um, I think women are much more in the middle, most of them. Um, they want to get things done. There are pieces of legislation like equal pay that I think would be passed and we would be able to stop talking about it. Um, you know, the right to try legislation passed because women brought that up. I mean, there is a lot of legislation and that is family legislation. It's not, I'm tired of hearing about women's issues. Every single issue is a women's issue, but right. I think we would have some of the legislation that affects us and affects our families um, passed instead of just sitting in this dark hole of Washington. And I mean that in, in a very nonpartisan way. You know, Republicans sure. deep six, it, Democrats deep six, it, it doesn't matter. It's just like rape kits, you know, just things like that. You know, rape victims before we started Woman to Woman, if you didn't have $20 to buy your rape kit when you got to the hospital and you didn't have insurance, guess what? They didn't take it. You, they didn't. They, wow. I mean, just little things like that, that most people don't realize, um, you know, happens, gets fixed. And it only gets fixed because we go out and we talk to women and they tell us what needs to be fixed. I mean, and that's why I love, love, love women to women, because you sit there and like, oh, I didn't know that. I'd be like, oh, okay, let me see if we can do something about that. Pell grants. I mean, I'll never forget sitting there and have a woman raise her hand and said, why can't you get a Pell Grant in the summer and winter sessions? I'm like, you know, very honest. I'm like, I have no idea. I didn't even know you could. So came back to Washington and uh, Republicans and Democrats got together. You can now get a Pell Grant year round. That is absolutely incredible, Sarah. And I, I can't tell you how much your advocacy and your transparency is appreciated and, and clearly so very needed. So I, I can't think of anybody who who doesn't want rape test kits to be processed and for fewer rapists to be on the streets. Like that is not a women's issue. That is a safety societal issue, right? Absolutely it is. And there's yeah. thousands of those type of issues out there. And again, you know, we don't know what they are until we're told. I mean, it's like, oh, I didn't realize that. I mean, that that's ridiculous. Let's go fix it. And there's a million of these crazy little loopholes that are out there that can actually, to be honest, once you bring it to an elected official's attention, can get fixed pretty easily. And that's what we do. That's amazing. Well, and so, so I have to tell you, you mentioned that you know, women to women came to Kansas City, and you 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 actually arrange these events and you arrange these connection points very in a very unique way. You actually attach programming to it and you you spark discussion. It's not like you're just sending out a survey. You are. It, it's truly. I, I feel like your name is very appropriate because you are convening women to have conversations about these things and then capturing that information so that you can communicate it. And so I, why don't you talk to us a little bit about that kind of what, 
what do you look for when you go to these different cities and areas and, and what do your events look like? Sure. So we go into the area. I don't do this. I have a woman, uh, Sharon, that does this. But we go in and we sit down with the women's organizations, all of them, anybody who's willing to to hear from us. We are not there to take their donor lists. We're not there to raise money. We're not there to do anything except pull women together. So we work with the women's organizations from the chamber to, you know, whatever. I mean, thousands of them that are out there. And we try to pull them together and have them help us uh, with a turnout model to get the women to come and um, share their ideas. This is sharing. This is not me lecturing, um, as you said so eloquently. This is me talking with them, sharing ideas, getting their, their feedback, getting their input. And I also have amazing women that I get to interview um, and they, they're sharing their life experiences with the audience as well. So it's kind of a hybrid of you tell us, and then I get to interview these women. And hopefully, you know, the women learn something from, you know, their fellow woman about their journey, you know, how they've gotten to where they are. And it's just an evening. I love it. I'm passionate about it. The only complaint we hear at the end is, wow, you know, Sally and Susie and, you know, Lisa would have loved this if we'd understood what it was. Um, So we and our side are trying to be a little bit better explaining what the Women to Women Conversations Tour is. Yeah, I can, I I can see that because there's a lot to it. There's a lot of meat. You know, these are not, I wouldn't say that they're like, or at least in the Kansas City experience that we had, like these are not fluffy events. Um, not really social in nature. Definitely, there's a lot of opportunity to network, but really, there there's an opportunity to be inspired. There's opportunity to learn. Like you, you get to hear these incredible women's stories, um, and that was so great. But then there's there's a lot of empowerment in what you're bringing because you're 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 bringing Washington to areas and places and shining a light in corners that wouldn't necessarily have their voices heard otherwise. Um, And so that's a very empowering feeling. Like I feel like I, you know, as an attendee, even I had a direct conduit. I had the ear of the lawmakers and politicians who represent me and I was able to tell them how I feel. And that's a very powerful feeling. And they listen. They are happy. (laughs) They want to know like, okay, what did you learn? I'm like, well, I learned, you know, A, B, C, and D uh, when we're out there and they, they, are so quick to want to absorb the information because in their districts, you know, they don't get this type of information. You know, usually, you know, it's a fundraiser or, you know, it's a a small round table discussion or they're out shaking hands. They do not get the opportunity to sit as we did for an hour to get the women's input and then to tell their women what legislation has passed. Um, I oftentimes there's women that take their cameras out and take pictures of the legislation. And I had one very moving experience. I was in California and we talked about a piece of legislation called the right to try. I lost my husband to pancreatic cancer a couple of years ago. He worked in the White House, nonpartisan, but he did intel for the country and he got sick and he got the right to try, which gave him an extra few months 
and it's the only months that my daughter remembers him. So it doesn't seem like a lot of time, but for her, it was a lifetime. And I was telling the story and the right to try legislation. And a woman after the event came up to me and said, my husband's terminal and we're going to call the doctor tomorrow and see if we can get the right to try. And, uh, and they did. And she has since lost him, but he got an extra few months. Um, so those are the things that's, that's why I do this tour to, to help people, you know, learn about things that are out there that they can be taken advantage of. Well, that, that is an apps. I'm actually dumbfounded and speechless at that story. First of all, thank, thank you for, for sharing and being so vulnerable, but I'm, I'm so sorry to hear about your loss. Um, I find it not at all surprising that you have been able to turn very tragic circumstances into a very powerful, positive thing for so many people. So, so thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, so, so I am, I am curious. Um, and I know that you're going to see a lot of, well, you might actually correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you probably see some variation in, in the themes and what you hear as you are traveling the country, or I'm, I, I'm sure that at this point you're, you might be virtual. Um, thank yeah. you for mm-hmm. uh, but, but what, what do you hear as ears on the ground when you're talking to women in different areas of the country? So as you just articulated, I thought it was going to be that way as well, but it's not surprising. So really? Where you go in the country, Women have the same issues. Now, not always in the same order. So I do want to emphasize that, but it's the same issue. Usually the number one issue is healthcare. Um, As women, we tend to be the healthcare um, advocates in our families. We tend to be maybe making the appointments for our kids and our spouses. And we kind of, the healthcare usually typically falls on the woman in the house. So they have tons of questions about healthcare. You know, pre-existing conditions, mental health. Um, at the time, which because of COVID-19, it's it's not talked about as much, but opioid crisis. So that is always the number one issue. Uh, and that doesn't matter where you are. And then the number two and three issues kind of change a little bit. Um, and again, this is all pre-COVID. I can talk to you, tell you about the issues after COVID. But the next one is uh, equal pay. Equal pay is a huge issue, and I always articulate this to the elected officials. This is not a woman's issue. This is a family issue. If the females in the family are making more money, then the entire family's lifestyle is elevated, um, and we have to stop talking about it. As a man, you have to start ta- stop talking about it as a woman's issue. You need to talk about it, You know, change the rhetoric. And, then, and I can't believe we're even still fighting for equal pay, but that's a whole other story. And then the third um, option is sometimes it's cost of childcare. Um, some women, after especially their second child, are like, "Listen, I have a problem. Childcare is so expensive. You know, is there anything that can be done to offset it or allow us to use our 529s to pay for it? Because now it's starting to affect whether or not I can even go back to work. Because some women, like you know, I don't make more money. I don't make enough." to, to, um, you know, pay for all the childcare, including, you know, then you got your clothes and your food and everything else. So that's an issue. And then access to capital. Um, you know, women want to 
you know, we want to have small businesses. We want to have big businesses, you know, whatever that is. And we have an access to capital issue. Um, so that always pops up in the top four or five issues as well. Now, again, these are all pre-COVID. Since sure. COVID, the, the topics have changed just a little bit. Um, but but I believe once COVID passes, we'll go back to, to those topics. Sure. Well, and so, so I remember, and I cannot remember the specific statistics. I'm really terrible about that. But the general gist was that when you see more women in leadership, and I, you know, you're not talking about that kind of token number, um, when you're looking at um, governments and organizations and in, in where elected officials have achieved almost gender parity, you see a lot more investment in healthcare and education. So it's really interesting that you see this borne out amongst leadership, women in leadership, and the, as well as, you know, the voters and as, as well as the, the women who are, you know, not necessarily elected or appointed to these specific positions, but they're just out there trying to live their lives. They have the same kinds of priorities. I, I find that interesting and gratifying. More unites us than divides us, right? Absolutely. And that's one of my themes of women to women. Absolutely. Yeah. And we have to stop allowing us to be divided and focus on the issues that unite us and, and let's get them passed through Washington. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so so tell us a little bit about your thoughts. I know that one of the things that you are very passionate about is women empowerment. And I want to know what does that mean? What does that mean for you? What does that look like in in actuation? It's actually a couple things. Uh, the first thing it means is making sure we have our voices heard, making sure that you know we're voting in primaries and generals, you know, engaged in the process, and making sure that you know we're not you know put on the back bench. So that's one thing. And then the other thing for the women who want to you know excel at the at the businesses to be, make sure you know we have, they have a base to to be able to do that. I mean, one statistic in this country that scares me is there are more CEOs by the name of John than there are total female CEOs. So it's so scary. Oh, it's very scary. And of course, I have a brother whose name is John, and he, of course, he is a CEO. So I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so wait, he's helping to skew the demographic exactly. a little bit. I'm like, oh my God. He's like, are you just kind of like, this is your fault? <laughs> and I tell him that too. He's like, well, I'm like, oh, great. Um, but it, it's a couple things, you know, because not every woman wants to be a CEO. So, but their voices should be heard, you know, both the local and, you know, state and, and federal level. We can no longer stay quiet and we shouldn't stay quiet. You know, this is the 100th anniversary of the women's right to vote. Come a long way, but we have further to go. And that's why I think it's so important um, to engage with the women and, you know, talk with them about the issues and actually spend some time, you know, hearing what their top priorities are and trying to do something about it. Yeah. Well, I, I, I always love, well, I love talking to all of the women that we have on this podcast, but I always love talking to women who have a heart for serving women because I, every single time I hear you know, you're, you're talking and the whole time I'm just like pumping my fist. Like, yes, that's yes, absolutely. It's, it's, it's really funny. I know you can't see this, but I just have this big old grin on my face because I just, I, I love 
I hate the fact that there is a need for this messaging, but I love the fact that there are women like you who are out there representing. <laughs> but we're also doing this, in my opinion, I'm doing this for my daughter. Yeah. I mean, to make sure that some of the issues that are affecting us don't affect her. And, yeah. You know, I think that's important as well to like, you know, it's our job. I think it's our job. I'm, I don't want to offend anyone out there who doesn't think it is. But for me, it's like, you know, I, I want to make a step forward so my daughter has an easier time. You know, our mothers did that for us, you know, and hopefully we can do it for, for our daughters as well. You know, equal pay is one that, you know, just, it really, I don't understand it. And, yeah. you know, I don't think our daughters, no matter how old they are, should, should have to face that. I mean, why do we make, you know, on average 81 cents for doing the exact same job that a man does? Right. And I mean, there are so many arguments out there where people are just like, well, it's because women, you know, they tend to leave the work for And it's like, no, even when you control for all of those factors, there is yeah. still wage inequity. Yeah. And so we, we need to talk about that and we need to make that part of the narrative because yeah. of course, you know, your pay is going to be affected if you leave the workforce for 10 years to, to raise your kids. Like, of course, but that being said, that still doesn't answer to the problem. Right. 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 It does not. Yeah. So, so I, I just, I, I think it's really important to be clear on that. So, so I'm really, really interested to hear this answer and this is a little bit more of a personal question but what does what does the future look like for your daughter like when you are out there advocating and fighting and you are you know just exhausted what is the vision that you see that keeps going okay that is a great question um (laughs) so and i've thought about this so I want her to grow up and be able to do anything she wants, anything, and and be respected for, you know, for what she chooses to do and not have to worry about um, being judged. You know, I mean, there, there's a lot of problems in this country um, as far as, as girls, you know, teenage girls. You know, the 80% of the eating disorders in this country are girls. Yeah. You know, so I'm trying my my hope is to make it a little bit easier for her that, you know, women stand up for women and that her she has many more doors open to her. She has legislation that actually, you know, addresses her concerns and her needs. And um, and we, you know, maybe the country becomes a little bit kinder, especially in this time. I mean, there's, yeah. there's a lot of crisis going on. And if we can just start to fix what we can, you know, maybe others can fix what they can. And maybe, you know, the country will come back together and, and it'll be a happier place. Life is tough. So if we can knock down as many barriers as we can for our daughters, I think that's a step forward. I, I absolutely, absolutely agree. Um, so so the next question that I have, and it's it's kind of related Um, but one of the things that I like to talk about, because I, you know, doing the work that I do, and I imagine you doing the work that you do, you might experience this as well. Sometimes the pushback that I get, which we get pushback, Mm -hmm. uh, but sometimes it's related to the nature of feminism. 
Um, and, and so I think it's really important to note that feminism, when you're talking about your daughter having those choices, um, that includes the full spectrum of choices. Like if, if your daughter or if, if any girl grew up and wanted to be a mother and that was how she manifested her, her real, true, happy self, and that was what was going to bring her peace and joy, great. That's amazing. (laughs) Do it. Go forth and be the best mother that you know how to be. But I I think that often there's this narrative about around feminism that, you know, we're bra burning and we're angry and we can't get men. And so we just got bitter. Um, And so so I would I'm going to ask you kind of a tough question and I'm going to ask you, what do you say? to those naysayers, like the people who don't understand why you do what you do, or conversely, the people who don't understand, like one of the other things that I get on a pretty regular basis is, well, isn't it sexist just to have stuff for women? Well, I have a million different answers to that question. <laughs> what do you say to those those individuals? I, I say that, you know, thank you for your opinion, but I'm gonna keep doing what, I, what I'm doing. I don't really, I'm not a bra burning, anti-man woman. Um, I work with a lot of men. I like men. I was married to one. Um, but it doesn't mean that we can't still be independent and, and fighting for our rights. We're 55% of this population and, you know, we, we need our voices heard and, you know, they can put any label on me that they want. I know who I am. And I'm doing what I think is best. And yes, there are some issues as much as, you know, I'm an advocate. Every single issue is a woman's issue. There are some issues that are uniquely focused to women. Like one of the bills we're working on is um, uh, death rates in in birth. When you give birth, believe it or not, the United States is very high in mortality rate. And, you know, we're working on a piece of legislation around that now having had a child, I'd be okay to let men have some of the babies as well. But sure. since that's not the way it was structured, that is a women's <laughs> issue. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, you're never going to see me, you know, out there criticizing. I don't like, you know, I'm not a feminist, really. I kind of am, but not like the type that, you know, in the 60s, you know, I'm not burning my bra but I'm having my voice heard so I can get some legislation passed that affects my family. Yeah. I, 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 I almost dislike the term feminism because I think that there's just this connotation of anger around it. When the fact is like, Oh, all I want is equal opportunity. Like I love my bras, you know, I mean, they're not always the most comfortable, but they're necessary and they're cool and I'm fine with it. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I think that term turns men off. Yeah, because they don't really understand what it means, and you know, do they, does that mean you don't like men? Where you know to achieve our goals here, and I have been criticized for saying this, but we also need the men to come in and understand that these are our goals. I mean, because Washington is still predominantly um, run by men. Yeah, there are a lot more women. So I don't, you know, I don't, I understand that, but there's still a lot of men there. And we need to explain to them, you know, what we want as, as women. And I think that's important. 
and they're they're very open to to hearing and listening, as I said earlier. Yeah. Well, and and that's so. So one of the foundational tenets of, um, or one of our core values of Innovate Her Casey is we uplift women without pushing other population groups down. I mean, the fact is, men have comprised some of my greatest mentors, yeah. some of my greatest allies, Me too. my my teachers and my friends, and the pe- some of the people who have been very vocally passionate about supporting what I do. Um, and and so you can't. You can't minimize that. You can't diminish it. It's not fair. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So 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 yeah. I just I always I'm always really curious. Like when I when I talk to other women who do this kind of work, like what what your experience of it is? Because I've definitely I've gotten some pushback. There are some assumptions made. I think um, about what what we're all about. And I'm like, no, I'm here to, to break down those stereotypes. Yep. That, that's absolutely not true. And if everybody is lifted, the entire country is lifted. That's right. <laughs> uh, what is it? A rising, a rising tide lifts all boats? Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> 100%. Well, so, so what, what is your vision for, for women to women? Or actually, you know what? I'm going to ask that in just a second. But the first okay. thing that I'm going to ask is, how are you adapting and pivoting in the time of COVID? So that that's interesting. So I have to admit, I did not think I'd like this, but I, I do. So I like to go out and meet the women. Um, and it's fun. It's interesting. You know, they're, they're amazing. I take my energy from them. But I also will admit I'm a little bit of an introvert. Um, so when COVID struck, great tragedy that we're, we're in here, uh, we decided to go to online. So we do um, the same exact thing online. And I, I find myself, I love it because we get more women. Um, sure. You can turn on from anywhere in the country. You know, we don't have to necessarily be in your city. And we're averaging a couple hundred a week. I get to interview amazing women on topics from, you know, trafficking um, which obviously is a, a serious crisis in this country to women's women in finance. And then I actually had a gentleman on who's a makeup artist to the stars. And he taught us how to do a nice eye while we wear our mask. Um, so it's been, <laughs> I mean, it's been um, educational and it's been a lot of fun. And, you know, I think that th- this will certainly be a key part of woman to woman moving forward, even once um, we get a vaccination for for COVID and we can go back out and you know travel extensively again, that part of woman to woman won't go away. But the weekly calls I think are are here to stay, and everybody seems to love them. And it, again, we only do one hour. You know, I'm I'm really focused on keeping everything on time, um, as you know, because Kansas and. <laughs> Right. I'm really into that because I don't want to take up people's time and be like, well, that ran 45 minutes over, you know, now I'm rushing into this or whatever. Um, but so we do 45 minutes and we don't get through all the questions. So sometimes we bring our guests back and say, okay, we didn't get through all the questions, you know, and, and one of the top questions that we're being asked now is, you know, what do we do to educate our kids at home? So we bring on educators and to talk about, you know, giving parents some hints, uh, depending 
you know, depending upon the age of the child, some different hints along the way to, to help with their education. So it's been amazing. Um, I'm sorry, um, you know, that, that we discovered it this way, but that's a part of the women to women that, that is here to stay. Yeah. Well, I, I'm really glad to hear that. And I have to tell you, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the, uh, virtual event that I, I got to be, uh, privy to, um, just the, what we talked about. And I mean, I think anytime you get a, a room, virtual room of brilliant women together, um, to talk about ideas and talk about what experiences, I just think that that's a beautiful thing. And you, you do that very, very well. I'm also shocked to hear that you're a bit of an introvert, by the way, yeah. my job is kind of dropped. I was like, really? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, most people don't know that about me. But yeah, yeah, yeah. an interesting little fact. So, so you have now shared that with the world. Uh, (laughs) So, so let me ask you. I want to talk to you a little bit about the mechanics of women to women. Like we've talked about what your programming looks like and how you've pivoted. But when you were founding Women to Women Tours, can you talk to us a little bit about that journey? Was it? Was it difficult? Did you have any particular experiences that pop out? Like, what did that look like? It was very difficult, and I failed um, a few times. It looked different. Um, We started doing it with elected officials and failed. That was awful. I loved my elected officials, but it was awful. Um, we, we, We then started, I was a panelist, and I was interviewed, and we had different moderators. That was... I had amazing monitors, moderators and some that frankly were not amazing. Um, so it's evolved. You know, we kind of practice it. It's frankly, it's even evolved a bit since you saw it in, in Kansas City. But what we do, I am my harshest critic. So I evaluate each one of them. And I think we now kind of have it down to a science. Um, but a key part is um, the educational side. The, you know, we, we now we pull them, we pull the women when they come in, um, we, we have a Mentimeter during the presentation, you know, we pull them, it pops up on the screen for what their positions are, what their, you know, what their top issues are. Um, so all of that has been incorporated in the last year or so, year and a half. And then I switched to being the moderator because not that I'm perfect at it by any stretch, but it's consistent. You know, I know the women, I've met them. I kind of know questions to ask them. And, uh, and then I throw in, you know, I, I try to make it more of a conversation. And then I throw in, you know, some of my thoughts um, as appropriate. So I've made it much more of a conversation like you and I are having versus, you know, a, a question, answer, question, answer. Yeah. Uh, so it's always but really a lot more engaging when you do it that way, I yeah. think. <laughs> and and we started, you know, sometimes we've had groups of a few hundred women. To be honest, it, that's nice that they turn out, but it's not the same. I want it to feel like a living room. I want it, you know, my perfect is a right around 100 women. So you can feel like they're part of it. They can feel like they're part of it. They have the opportunity to meet everyone who has been giving the presentation, um, you know, we, we'd never sit or hardly ever, depending on the room, we try not to sit on stages 
and be removed from the women. Like, well, we all have the same issues. So women and women's evolved. It will continue to evolve, I'm sure. Um, but the system that we're at right now, our method is, is working pretty well in, in getting us the, the detail that we need. The polling is the most important. And I want to emphasize, this is a C3 and a C4. So we do not poll around political issues. We poll, you know, political, you know, the Trump, Biden, none of that. What we pull on are strictly issues that are important. Like, what are your issues? If Washington could fix anything for you, what would it be? Um, Those type of things. Yeah. What actually impacts you in your everyday life? I, I... I love that. And I, 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 as I said earlier, like, I just remember taking that survey and, and really feeling like, you know, every time I go to the voter booth, I feel the same, same way, but just feeling like this is my opportunity to say how I feel, say what I think and have someone who can enact change. Listen, right? you know, and that, yeah, I mean, like I said, like, it's just a very, it's a very empowering feeling. Um, and I just I love that you're able to offer that to to women across the country, all kinds of women, all kinds of backgrounds. Um, so, I mean, I, I do just think that's that's really incredible. Um, so, so I'm going to ask you and I, I, I told myself I was going to ask you this and you can decline to answer it. But here it comes. Okay. So do you have any favorite interviews um you know you don't have to like single out any one person but just women that you loved having the opportunity to talk to i've had a couple can i can i do two can i do a oh yeah yeah i mean you could do more than that if you want to i'm just i like i, I just have a very uh curious so had, about badass women <laughs> I talk about her name but i had a woman um who during the opioid crisis now we still have an opioid crisis so i don't want to say during when the opioid crisis was much more front and center, um, and it will go back after COVID, but she ran a pharmaceutical company, and they put together they have a drug that is a painkiller, but it's not addictive. So she was fascinating. So here she is, you know this this well put together, well educated woman, and I asked uh, the panel, and she went first. I say, you know, what would you go back and tell your 20-year-old self? And, you know, you, you, you see this woman and you think, I wonder what her answer is going to be. You know, it's something about maybe I would have taken a different college course or whatever. And she sat there and she said, I tell myself not to marry bums because I've married two. And I didn't get it right <laughs> the third time. And the entire audience, after you're done being slightly stunned, you, you start to laugh because that made her real. Like she's doing all this really cool stuff, but yet she let herself be vulnerable to tell the truth. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I married a couple of bums. So I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> it, it's just, it. what I love about the women is, you know, they're badass women, but they're also real. And you find that, you know, it's like, wow, okay, yep, yeah, I've had, I've had a couple of them too. Luckily I haven't married them, but it's like, okay. Um, so it's, I, it's a great joy. I mean, she was one of my favorite because she has had quite an amazing life. She was an Amish woman who was abused. Um, she started selling pretzels. She was married very young. She started selling pretzels at flea markets and it did, it turned into Auntie Anne's. 
Um, I don't know anybody wow. to an airport or a mall that hasn't had an Auntie Anne's pretzel. So she is a fascinating woman. And she talks about what she's overcome to get to where she is today. And they have since sold the Auntie Anne pretzel chain. Um, but she she built it. She and her husband built it. And she is a, in probably in her 60s now. She still married the man. She's still married to the man she married as a teenager. Um, it's, so she's amazing. I, there are so many amazing women. It's hard for me to to only talk about a couple um, because they're just... I know. I didn't want to put you on the spot, but I was like, I know she's got some stories. Oh, I, I could go on all day. We could do a whole separate show. <laughs> we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to have you back. We're gonna have to do that sometime. That was great. <laughs> You'd be shocked. The trucking. The woman who runs the trucking company. She's a short little blonde woman. Oh my god. I mean, <laughs> I mean that is awesome. Women are amazing out there. Yeah, no, no, I love that. And you're actually like your city with the the Auntie Anne's lady. I'm just like, oh, gosh, okay, guest idea. Fantastic. Uh, <laughs> you love her. Yeah. Amazing. Well, so so we are we're coming up on the the home stretch here on the end of our time together. And I do have a question for you. And it's not going to be, um, it's not really like a silly question per se. But the question that I want to ask you is, what do you do for fun? Yeah. I like to travel. I like to travel and I like to read. You're kind of, you're kind of in a bad spot for that right now, my friend. A terrible spot for that. Oh, <laughs> and I'm going a little store crazy. Um, yeah. I like, so ever since my husband passed, so um, I don't mean to be a little sad here, but he died with a, he died at 50 and he died with a to-do list of travel. So my daughter and I have taken his list and done it. Um, so we checked the box for him. So that's why I love to travel and I love to show her. I only have the one daughter, so I love to show her the world. Sarah, that is, that is really quite lovely. I, you know, I was meaning to ask like a fun question and then you just turned it into something really profound. Sorry. (laughs) That that is. I like to read too, ride my bike. Right, there you go. <laughs> no, no, I, I love that you shared that. And I think it's really cool that you you found a way to honor your husband with your daughter. You know, you get to share that with her um, and those experiences. So that's really quite lovely. Thank you for for sharing. Um well, so 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 on that note, I, I cannot thank you enough for for being here with us today, Sarah. It has been it's been a blast. I'm not surprised, um, but no, just really have loved talking to you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you, Lauren. It's been great. Lots of fun. Well, I, I absolutely, um, and yeah, we're gonna have to to set up just a. We're just gonna talk about awesome women episode. Oh my god, you could do a few episodes and just- oh, that it would be so much fun. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, so, so thank you again. Um, just a quick reminder that today's episode of startup hustle was sponsored by fullscale.io.io and you can find us on Instagram at startup hustle podcast. Also keep an eye out for our YouTube channel. Thanks so much for listening folks. And you have a great one. We'll see you soon. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.
we do it.